Crashing has its first Me Too moment as the show takes on the sexist culture of stand-up comedy. We're talking all about it here on the Crashing After Show, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crashing After Show here on After Buzz TV. Today on the show, we are covering Season 3, Episode 4, entitled MC Middler Headliner, and we're talking all about stand-up culture. This is your first, if this is your guys' first time tuning into After Buzz TV, we're an after show network, so we will be covering HBO's Crashing, so if you haven't seen Episode 4, go back and watch it, then come back to us. Us is me, Jeff Graham, and I'm joined by two brilliant co-hosts. I want to start with Elena. Elena, thanks so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. I uh, watched the episode actually today, if I'm being honest, and I started panicking because I thought, okay, this is a great episode all about how dudes sometimes patriarchally mansplain comedy culture, so I'm not just going to let Josh and I take this episode (laughs) on. And Elena, it's perfect because not only are you a great host, but you do some stand-up as well, so yeah, uh, I'm... Yes. It's a very interesting time, too, in comedy yes. culture. So this is a very fun episode to talk about, I think. I think so, too. Very timely. And um, I was impressed by their take. And Josh, we're happy to have you as well. I'm happy to be here, Jeff. Josh was just telling me about the best weekend of his life. The best the best weekend of my life. Palm Springs. Yeah. Fantastic. For those of you guys who, I know you all podcast, so you'll have to check out Straight Talk with Straight Ross Talk Matthews. Straight Talk with Ross Matthews on iTunes. It's free. Go download it. Go Had check time it out. of my life. We went down there for a Palm Springs weekend. We met up with some Straight Talkers. It's a nice community nice well the fans want to hear about our thoughts on crashing guys so um not only will we be covering the episode but we do have some news and gossip and i have a little stand-up feature that we'll be looking at later in the show so make sure you guys stay tuned for that but i really want to hear everyone's overall thoughts on the episode and elena because you are our lovely guest i would love to start with you what do you think of the episode I really, really liked this episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like it definitely still stayed within tone of the show. Mm -hmm. It didn't get too heavy, which it could have gone, I think, really kind of almost too dark. A drama. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. and I I feel like this was very, very well written. Um, I'll be honest, I wish that there were some more women in the writing room besides just asking Jamie Lee for her input a little bit because it was written by three men and directed by a man. I saw that. Other than that, I mean, I still feel like they did a really good job, and Judd Apatow, I think, you know, is really addressing kind of how everything is changing right now and how the comedy scene is changing. I thought this was a really, really well-delivered take. Josh, what do you think? I totally agree. I actually wasn't expecting that payoff. I knew some type of payoff was coming, mm-hmm. but I wasn't expecting it to be that sort of message. Yeah. Um, I was It completely blindsided me in a very, very good way. I knew that there would be some type of confrontation, but I didn't know it would be that. I'm glad it was. Yeah, sometimes Josh and I, Elena, will talk about how this show is so enjoyable and it's yeah. so breezy, but sometimes it can feel kind of conflictless, yeah. where it's just like you're like just kind of watching Pete walk through the city with his girlfriend, which is nice because a lot of TV is so heavy hitting with conflict. It can be nice to have some escapist, you know, breezy television, but they were not afraid to dig into some real cringe this episode, which I really appreciated. I agree with you guys. I thought this was an awesome episode of TV. And one thing I love about Crashing is how lived in and realistic it feels like rather than having this there's a, there's a version of this show where there's a really dramatic sexual assault and that's super important and that's super valid but that's not always how like the patriarchy of comedy works sometimes it's in words and it's in tone and you know just the things that are said so i think this was addressing a very important and sometimes under discussed component of sort of douchey masculine comedy culture it's really well written. Um, I was surprised to see there was no above the line female credit on this episode either, Elena. 
It's interesting. Four of the episodes this season are directed by Gillian Robespierre, who directed a movie called Obvious Child. Did you ever see that movie? It's got Jenny Slate, and then she recently um, directed another movie called Landline, starring Edie Falco and also Jenny Slate. So, like, she's this brilliant female director. I'm kind of like, why not put her on this episode? If you know she's directing half the season. I feel like Jed Apatow's talked about this a little bit, about Mm -hmm. how he's trying to keep everything, like, very... Like, he doesn't look at gender when he's filling the writer's room and he's when he's filling the director's role, which to some degree is good, and to some degree it's like, okay, but if these are the issues that you're talking about... It would be nice to have a little bit more female perspective instead of just Jamie saying, well, I feel like Allie in the way that I would portray right. this character would be like this. You know, to have a little bit of that impact, I think, more throughout would have been kind of nice. But I still think that they really delivered. They well. really delivered. It's just that thing where, like, credit does matter. And I know, like, Beth Stelling is in that writer's room who's a comic I really like. And Jamie Lee has credited writing on this episode. So it's like just having that even, like, additional credit i yeah. think that it's it just it seems like nice. it matters yeah. i don't because know they probably wrote that they've had to have yeah some type of even the concept of the episode it wouldn't surprise me if they came up with the concept of the episode if the judge. females yeah. in that i'm sure yeah. you know it doesn't feel like that originates necessarily it's not the first instinct for a straight white dude to have an, that idea for an episode i right. mean who knows but um it just reminds me of i don't know if you guys watch master of none but the thanksgiving episode which is yeah. one of my favorite episodes of comedy tv ever written um lena pitched it to his ease and he started writing and he's like I can't do this alone like just write it with me and I don't know I, I'm glad you brought that up Elena because it was a little weird I did think it's kind of interesting too even you mentioning Aziz because this season even opened up with Jason saying you know well business is booming because the comedy seller is right around the corner and everybody mm-hmm. wants to see if one of the disgraced comics is going to show up for <laughs> it. and it's like that was a direct dig because Louis C.K. Right. and Aziz both showed up yeah. almost directly after their allegations I, I mean I won't get my whole thing. I feel like the Aziz situation was blown out of proportion. Mishandled. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, eh, but I, w- I won't get into all that now. Right. But I did just think it was kind of interesting that it it felt like it has been kind of leading up to this a little bit. There have mm-hmm. been little references, but to have a whole episode that's like this is kind of a- addressing the toxic masculinity that not only affects all the females in, or I mean really the two females that we see interacting with Jason in this episode, Mm -hmm. but also himself and Mm -hmm. how it just, it's, it's this whole culture, this whole like Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan. That's a good way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, I mean, it's like, it just, even when he like comes out his whole intro, like what's up ever. Right. Right. Can I curse on this show? No. Right. I think we lose iTunes viewers okay, if we do. So yeah. I know none of you guys have a problem with that for it's because obviously you're watching Crashing on HBO. Right, right. But we will we will tame it down for the podcast. Yeah. NPR style. When I quote, I just want to like Yeah. I know what you mean. When you're quoting directly, it feels yeah, so gross. It feels weird when I'm like, what it. up, Effers? You know, like but, Joe Rogan does. Yeah. Right. For the one person who was gonna report us, now you can't. So there you go. <laughs> um, um but even like the Andrew Dice Clay yes. like, type yeah. reference right. and everything, like it's this whole idea that's been kind of this subgenre of comedy yes where it's this tough guy masculine like oh i'm gonna hate on mm-hmm. you know different things and, and just i'm not racist but yeah type right. setups and the i'm not sexist but yeah and then that whole mentality of the all right time to go do some push-ups like it's almost <laughs> become like a caricature that comedians who are still trying to find their way and even after you know 22 years are still kind of looking to f- fill that niche because mm-hmm. 
they don't realize comedy is constantly evolving and right. changing, and that character may not be relevant anymore. For sure. So then what do you do when you've had 22 years yeah. of this, and now you have to change your whole act and personality? That's so well said. I want to save that conversation because I think there's so much to yeah. unpack there. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I'm so glad you brought it up because there is an element of tragedy in this episode that I think you're like touching on that I want to get to. But before we talk about some of the really juicy stuff in this episode, we're going to talk about another juicy scene in a different way. And that's oh. Pete oh, and Kat. That's a oh, pun that even yeah. I am like, nice. No. It was a little, oh. yeah. um, nice transition. <laughs> nice transition. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We'll give you that one. We'll give you that one. We have to talk about the Pete and Cat of it all, though, because I've been loving Pete's kind of sexual awakening this season. Yeah. It's kind of adorable. <laughs> um, and we get to watch Pete and Cat have FaceTime sex, which, first of all, what a smart take on this that there was like connectivity issues. Like, that was just a hilarious, almost like a sketch premise that really played well. Yeah. How'd you guys feel about Pete and Cat's um, technologically impaired phone sex? I thought it was hilarious, and I felt bad for Cat at the end of it because she was so close. I know. Like, she was so close. Just finish it, Pete. Do yeah. your job, man. <laughs> but I think it's the first time that, like, I think Pete got a sense of, like, okay, this is not going to be sunshine and rainbows the whole time. Yes. Like, I, you know, this is going to be a relationship, and I'm going to have to fulfill her needs and not always be a jokester. It's not always going to be 100% kidding around and all fun. And right. So I think it's going to lead into something next episode. Yeah, are we worried about Pete and Kat? No, I'm not worried. But I'm not worried about yeah. Pete and Kat. I think this is probably the healthiest relationship. Yes. Absolutely. Had, you know? Yeah. and. I do like, though, that it has this parallel of this, like, female-male connectivity issue that's then echoed mm. throughout the episode. Wow. And it's this, you know, whole... Th- really I mean, <laughs> like, I mean you, like, it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, okay, so we literally had a connectivity problem. We're not on the same page. Right. And now where your headspace is isn't where mine is. Mm, and right. it's causing problems because what you think is funny, I don't think is funny because that's not where I'm at. Wow. And it's and you're not going to take the time to address that because he even says he's like you know well after I come like sex is just kind of done for me yeah and it's like okay well that's a problem dude if your girlfriend is still like uh, I'm here yeah, so it's it a kind really of like point. parallels like this sexual disconnect that's then also reflected in a disconnect between the sexes even yeah in the. It's almost like Pete is just like there's like a five percent patriarchal element there too, and of course Pete's sort of patriarchal approach to this is much less intense than Jason's. It's innocent and ignorant. It's innocent and ignorant, but it's still his inability to, like, recognize the sexual validity of women. And part of that's because he grew up in such a Christian culture. He's never learned that women are also sexual people. You know, he's never... And we're finding, like, last episode, I think it's the first time Pete's had sex twice in one day. And actually, Madeline Wise, who guessed it last week, talked about this, how... Pete doesn't have the ability yet to take sexuality seriously because he's still treating it like a bit, like it's a joke to him. And this was the first time I really appreciated she kind of called him out and said, like, you know, I love that you're funny, but, like, this matters, and, like, don't make this a joke. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's not a joke either. I mean, sex is an important part to your relationship. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'll be really interested. I'm not worried about Pete and Kat, but I do think it's the first time Pete's dated in a non-comic, and he has a lot to learn about what it means to truly engage with the person you're with. Because I think sometimes you watch two comics date and their entire relationship is like the foundation is bits. And there's no, he's never had the ability to like move to the next level with someone. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to lean into a joke. And there's a lot more Pete and Cat to come, I think. Any more thoughts on Pete and Cat before we uh, move on? No, I just think that's the first. I think if he was on Cloud Nine, he's not so much on it anymore. Mm-hmm. He's probably thinking a little bit that he has to be more attentive to her needs. And this is a relationship, and he's going to have to be just a better boyfriend or just be 
more attentive. Yes. Yeah. I was cloud surprised eight. that at yeah. no point he was like, by the way, my ex-girlfriend's here. Like, that would have been a nice heads <laughs> oh, up to your current yeah. girlfriend. Like, That's I know. true. It's I not weird, but... But she is here, and yeah. we're staying in the same house. Um, <laughs> we should definitely talk about if there's going to be a Cat Jamie Pete moment, but we can save that for predictions. Um, speaking of what else is to come, Josh, tell the fans a little bit more about our network and kind of what we're doing here at All right, so AfterBuzz TV. TV, listen, we are on iTunes, we are on YouTube, too. YouTube. YouTube. What is YouTube? But YouTube, YouTube, iTunes, it's very important that you give us five stars on iTunes. This is how we keep the lights on in this building. This is how we know you want to hear Crashing After Show. So go to iTunes, subscribe to AfterBuzz, specifically this show. Give us five stars. Give us a review. Tell us how much you love us so we can keep this After Show going and if you want we're also on youtube we have different subgenres. we have drama we have sports and wrestling mm-hmm. plus we have jeff i'm not really sure we have sci-fi we yes. have we have a lot of different genres animation so animation is another one mm-hmm. so if you don't like sports but you like animation subscribe to our animation channel i would subscribe to all of them they're all great once again itunes five stars youtube like subscribe all that good stuff it's the best guys don't forget <laughs> yeah. we're the espn of tv talk so That's we right. bring you all the nerd nerdiness you need to get through your week if you're as obsessed with television as we are and we are okay so in terms of the rest of the episode i kind of want to break it down into what was happening off stage and what was happening kind of on stage so right away there's this really kind of funny power dynamic that's established with jason and pete like the way the show uses heavy metal music to kind of like put pete in his (laughs) place this was really funny to me how do you guys feel like you got to see, like, Pete and Jason's relationship with this power dynamic. Well, I mean, Jason definitely was, I, I guess, the dominant one in the relationship. The music <laughs> showed that. And Pete, he's just a passive person in yeah. general. So I think the music just uh, amplified it a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of interesting that Pete gets the headliner because it shows that you don't have to be that type of person or that type of personality to actually come out on top. Mm-hmm. That's how I took it at the end of the day. So um, it was interesting. Yeah. It was funny, too. Like, the heavy metal, I'm glad you brought that up. I think, yeah, it just kind of set up his whole mentality. I mean, he even says, he's like, you know, we'll get there when we get there. The show starts when we get there. We're the ones filling the house. It's an attitude. Oh, yeah, from the beginning, If you're going to do this for as long, like, you're going to do this for a while, you got to learn to relax. Like, just has this ridiculous pseudo-confidence. And arrogance. yeah, Yeah, that's just gotten, like, I mean... And you got to pay your dues, man. Like, right. I drove around Jay Moore and had to listen to Who Let the Dogs Out. And I'm like, okay, well, that's significantly better than, like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Elaine, I'm so glad you said pseudo-confidence because I think Dove Davidoff, who plays Jason on this show, gave us this, like, really vulnerable performance. And I think, like, we got to see a lot of moments where he's really dealing with a ton of insecurity. I saw it especially when he first got to the club and, like, was really sort of personally offended that the bouncer didn't know who he was. I feel like we got moments all throughout this episode where we see a ton of insecurity and a sense that his type of comedy and maybe even his personhood just isn't relevant anymore. It does kind of seem like that's the thing, is he's holding on to this old comedy, which is that was the case you know yeah. like he even says you know it's great to get out of the city if this is your first time doing one of these weekend gigs because here it's not like the city where it's so busy and you know there's so much entertainment here they're just grateful that you're here mm-hmm. like he just has right. always had the mentality of he's the superstar when he shows up here he's filling all the the stage he's not expecting the people to be there because it's free tickets on a mailer he's thinking it's because they see my face on that poster right. they want to come see me it's what validates everything that he's done for the past two decades and then now that this validation is solely being chipped away 
the only way he knows to react is to kind of retaliate and go even more with his undercutting, with his trying to make Allie look bad, with his hitting on Deborah when she's like back off. Just right. it, it just seems like it's this really sad grasping at anything that he used to have, mm-hmm. like his whole mentality. This used to be fun. And the kind of misguided notion of, okay, well, I'm just going to get a slap on the wrist. I'll clean it up for a couple months and then come back and it'll be just like it's always been. And yeah. he keeps making these references, right. like, when this PC crap is over and you guys wake up from this, like, see what happens. And it's like, dude, this isn't a bell that's not going to get on wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he was – nobody validated him whatsoever. Not a single person this episode validated his behavior, and that drove him crazy. And the whole PC culture thing – I mean, I know we're probably going to get into a little mm-hmm. bit, but to me, it's like it, – it's it's not so much the PC culture. It's his misunderstanding of what is going on in the world and right. what's right. And it's kind of frustrating as someone who loves stand-up comedy when a comedian blames the audience for a joke failing. Right. I mean, Ali kind of led to it at the end of the episode where she's like, hate speech is not – you know, it's it's not comedy. It's right. not comedy. But it's your job as a comedian to be funny. There is racial humor. There is there is humor between the genders. You can you can have sexual humor. There's ways to do it. You right. just have to be funny. It's not funny. I so agree. Yeah. And I want to start to get into these sets now because yeah. I think the show really addressed that. Yeah. Because what was so interesting about this was one, Jason gave the same set twice. But the way the show framed it was through two different filters. And it kind of served... I was reading a little bit of coverage online, but it sort of served this allegory as to what's happening with audiences, where, you know, maybe this was okay... 10 years ago but when it's repositioned through a new filter when Allie goes up there and gives a very very funny set and a fresh take on consent not only is it gross to see this new set but it's just unfunny and what I really appreciated about the show was it addressed just what you're saying Josh where your job as a comic is to be funny and Allie took on the exact same topic that Jason took on in a way that was sharp but it was also really funny I mean the idea that women love questions I think the way she delivered it was can I have sex with you? Oh, yeah, now you can have sex with me. <laughs> it's like, that's a really funny joke. Yeah. And it shows how we've evolved. I just thought this was such a smart way to address the way we're evolving as an audience. Right, and also to show that there, you know, there are differences between white people and black people or whatever, but, and there are funny ways to express that. There are funny ways to express the differences in sexualities. There are ways to do it. It doesn't mean that these things are taboo to talk about, right. and that's my biggest beef with people who complain about PC culture. They automatically assume, oh, we can't talk about this anymore. It's not, No, you can. There's just a right way to do it, and Ali showed the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Elena, how did you feel that we saw Jason set twice? I loved that they showed the direct juxtaposition of the two because, I mean, first of all, you will have the nights where something hits and something doesn't, Mm -hmm. but to show his confidence drop immediately in the second set, like, it was the delivery, too, that was a big part of it. Like, you see him when he's making the very ill-advised Mexican birth control joke, and he's reaching into his pocket and getting out his notes that, you know, you can tell that he wasn't expecting to have to use, and it's like, oh, I'm grasping at whatever I can because this isn't working, and didn't have the, the kind of intelligence that you would think that you would have after 22 years of, okay, my topics were torpedoed mm-hmm. in his speech, like his language. What do I do now? That's different. You mm. would think that he would have enough of right. other things to fill in, because honestly, I mean, I personally feel like a lot of comics will, myself included, will dismiss certain materials after a certain number of years because it's like this isn't 
really relevant anymore. Like right. this isn't it's outdated. Yeah, and yeah. it's perfect that this really took on the idea of the PC culture and kind of the idea, like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld saying this is what's ruining comedy. This is, you know, it's it's taking away, and not just him, but, you know, Chris Rock, all these big comedians who have a problem Kevin with Hart. it. Kevin Hart, yeah, who say, like, PC culture, even Lisa Lampanelli, like, this isn't exclusively men that right. are saying these things. Yeah, But this idea that, okay, well... I mean, you look at SNL, where it's like things from certain seasons, you go way back. It's not funny now because Mm-mm. it's not relevant. But at the time, it was hilarious. Comedy has to evolve. That's what makes it funny is that it's relevant. And so if you are so stuck in the past trying to force these jokes to work that don't work, then that is a reflection on you as a comedian. Right, right. And I think that that's kind of the statement because Judd Apatow has even come out and been like, I, I don't see this as a problem. I see it as a challenge. Like, this is... a for you to be smarter and be clever and come up with new things. Right. I I mean, I see, like, if you have the opportunity for a new challenge, you should jump in instead of trying to force things. Totally. I think that was kind of the message. That's the brilliance of a good good stand-up, is someone who can evolve. And that's why I was so glad the show didn't write off the topic of consent as a premise. Because Mm -hmm. Allie got up there and gave us a brilliant five minutes about consent. So just like you were saying, Josh, it's the job of a comic to look at any important hot topic in the world and bring a take that is fresh and will resonate with audiences. It's like, at worst, I don't want to say at worst, but as much as you can complain about offensiveness and derogatory speech, tired material just won't play. It won't be funny. And that's what you have to do as a comic. And as cringy as it was to hear um, Jason give this terrible tired material, it was just as cringy because it was super unfunny, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super interesting. I also thought it was really interesting, too, that Allie was one passed up for headliner Mm -hmm. and then the notes were okay you need to smile more you need to be more enthusiastic even the i loved the moment when they were like the comedian and her face like god because you know i feel like every female comedian has been there i literally was introduced one time where they were like not only is she uh really pretty she's also my type and i was like what the like what like ew ew dude like now i'm throwing out my whole set and just making it about how gross you as a person and just knowing that I'm never doing this show again yeah. but like I, I loved that moment that they even have okay here's the card you're gonna do the announcements and here's the jokes that we wrote for you to make it easier and even Jason's whole like tits yeah. and teeth remark where it's yeah. like okay this is clearly him lashing out because he was just demoted mm-hmm. which she points out but it's just these subtle attacks um, yeah on on women and the cards too I took that as like women can't be funny so therefore we're going to do this for you because right. that's that's still kind of a stigma to me I, mean, I don't believe it but uh, you talk to a lot of men they think women can't be funny it's impossible to be funny it's crazy and yeah. now that I think about it this episode did such a good job of just kind of cooking the theme of patriarchy throughout every subplot like like what yeah, she everything. mentioned with Pete and Kat like how the way Jamie was treated, she can't be a headliner. She has to read this material. It was such a subtle way to sort of address the many layers of sexism that we see in this industry that are hopefully getting at least broken down little by little. Um, but it's something Pete needs to figure out, too, because it was there a little bit. Yeah, and Pete's is interesting, too, because I, I consider myself an ally. I'm sure you do, Jeff, mm-hmm. as well. No, but I don't like women. <laughs> <laughs> but as, like, as a man, I... I've, come to realize that sometimes subconsciously maybe I do things that right. I'm not aware of. And right. it's not on purpose. Like, I'm sure Pete's wasn't on purpose. I don't think Pete is chauvinist at all. But, you know, he didn't, in that moment didn't recognize what he was doing. And it shows that we need to educate ourselves. We have to be more aware. And I think 
this whole episode was just an homage to that, which was pretty cool. Definitely. I want to talk about one of the most challenging scenes in the episode, which okay. is, of course, when Jason comes off stage and he's been having this, quote, flirty relationship with this waitress who was professional and doing her job, but obviously wasn't reciprocating his feelings. And there's this real, really uncomfortable moment where he comes on to her and she doesn't take it. And it was such an empowering scene to watch her just shut him down. Elena, I have to ask you first, how did you react to this scene? I mean, I thought that it was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, her reaction, honestly, was kind of tame in, yeah. in juxtaposition with him literally grabbing at her repeatedly and saying, you know, like, just really derogatory things about her lower back tattoo and Oof. calling her, like, dirty and, like, all these things that... To her, I think it was great that it showed her whole speech where it's like, this isn't just you hitting on me. This is you are all of these comics who come in. You are just one of this entire stereotype. Like you are just another leather jacket that's in here thinking that you can get away with this because you assume that you have all of these comedy groupies. And it's something that you do see a lot firsthand. So, I mean, it was kind of cool to see this empowering moment when a lot of times... There are situations that you can tell people don't want, like waitresses don't want to have to go into the green room because this mentality still exists and they don't mm-hmm. want to lose their jobs. So they just go mm-hmm, and leave. Right. So to get to see her kind of shove some drinks in the face, I was hoping that it would be like when he's like, okay, well, don't tell, don't tell Graham. Right. I got to, I got to make sure I keep my job that she just immediately is like, right. Which she might have. We and, don't necessarily. And, and when she said that, it's almost like he's the only threat to her. Like even after she she cursed him out, she threw the drinks at him. Like he was still only afraid of what the guy would do, not so yeah. much of what she would do or her in general or what he was doing. What whatsoever. What got him in check was the threat of another man disciplining yeah. him. Which A professional. I, yeah. Co- yeah. Exactly. So it was that whole this whole episode was just really good. Yeah. Gavin, not Grant. Sorry. Oh yeah, it's I, I believe you. It's fine. I don't think too many of our audience. I was gonna say Greg. So there's someone in the audience who's like, "Thank God she corrected herself." The one, our one, uh, that super one fan. dumb woman. <laughs> this oh, is God. why we can't have women on the panel. We let a woman join for one week. She messes up the name. Um, this led to what I think was a really powerful ending. Is well, and of course we have that button, which will quickly address but this fight this argument between Allie and Jason again the reason I loved this so much was because there's a version of this scene where Jason comes across as really aggro and douchey but in this portrayal by Dove Davidoff he was like insecure and broken and yeah just like despite what he was saying you could see in his eyes that this was a realization that like he's done he's no longer relevant and he he was heartbroken is how I saw this I don't know what you guys think but yeah, I mean, I saw that, too. I also saw the frustration. I, I don't want to get political, but, like, a, a lot of it I've relates to, like, I wouldn't say Trump supporters, but a lot of conservatives, like, this whole white privilege thing, and, mm-hmm. and um, it's hard to be a straight white man. Right. And, like, as a guy who's from the Bronx, Puerto Rican, like, I look at that, I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> Ali had the same exact reaction. Like, this is not about being white. This is about, like, you spewing hate speech and it's time for you to recognize that right. and i feel like you know there's still outlets out there there are still public figures whether it's the president I, like i don't want to get political but like there's still like avenues where people like doug is in jason in the in the show right can go to to kind of validate their feelings and i feel like we need to break that down and i'm glad that this show addressed that especially with pete being white and ali being white like it wasn't like a black guy who said no it's not but it was like two white people who put him in check and i, I yeah. actually appreciated that Interesting. Yeah. And it's like you even see in his stand up, like even when he's 
his super confident, you know, first round when he says, I don't know how to be a man sometimes. Yeah. I don't know how to speak to women. And it's like comedians are saying truths, their own truths, just in a funny way. And when you break that down, if you just read it, that's a sad statement. And it's the yeah. truth because he's been told his whole life, this is how men act. This is how you're supposed to be like you yeah. are supposed to have this attitude and it's this toxic masculinity that he doesn't realize is harming even him and he's perpetuating it when if he would just take the time to break it down and reevaluate what he's doing instead of just the mentality of a slap on the wrist that I'm right back at it right. like there's there's no evolution there's no character development in this that I think is important and I think is intentional because most of these comedians that's why they're stuck is right. because it's been two decades of this mentality and then having it. And I, I do like that. Apparently Jamie Lee really pushed for that scene Good. Mm -hmm. um, specifically and wrote a big chunk of it because I think she was kind of speaking on behalf of every woman who has rolled her eyes so far back in their head <laughs> that they thought they may not come back when someone says it's hard to be a straight white man oh, right now. I, I and you're can't. like, <laughs> I mean, guys, I can't. It is easy. <laughs> <laughs> So the final thing we see is, of course, like we see 10 seconds of Pete initiating his Christian comedy tour. I don't know what we're going to see of this, but it was a very interesting button given everything else we saw because it was one more example of probably a well-intentioned culture that still positions women in a way that's not societally progressive, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It was quick. I don't know if there's enough much to say about the scene, but... Well, I think just having the opening scene of him telling... Jason that he's like I think I'm gonna do this Christian circuit him being like no 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 don't do that and he's like oh, okay well maybe I won't yeah. just kind of being submissive and then after seeing oh this yeah. isn't the version of masculinity that I want to be I love that that was the button because it was him saying okay I'm gonna break that cycle I'm not gonna try to learn yeah. from somebody who clearly needs to work on themselves before they talk to everybody else and lecture other people on what to do because he sees firsthand him doing it to Allie when it's like dude you're bitterly sitting away from the screen, not even watching her while she's killing. Right. Like, yeah. this is your issue. I'm not going to continue to project that. Like, Definitely. I thought that was a kind of a cool note, like, even if it is a little bit misguided, which is on brand for him. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought it was kind of like a, I'm going to say rebirth, but he went back to his roots, what he's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And he starts saying, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Just kind of a reminder that, you know, this is who I am and this is cool and, like, this is where I need to be right now. That's how I took it. I didn't take it any further than that well we'll see it's yeah. the show's been pretty open-minded about religion which i've appreciated because yeah. i think a lot of uh comedies aren't necessarily and pete's always been someone who's i think been atypically religious compared to a lot of comics so we'll have to see how the show handles it i do make sure we have enough time for our special segments but any more thoughts on the actual episode before we move on this might have been my favorite episode like of the whole series of the show yeah um, because I, yeah. this episode, it, you think Pete Holmes, you think all these comedians, and I think my one complaint with this show is that it's not hilariously funny. Mm -hmm. Like, it has its funny moments, but, like, when you list all the comics who are on this show, you would expect, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be laughing from start to finish. And that's not always the case. Right. It's, like, sometimes it's very, like, monotone and, and drawn out, and the storylines, I'm not saying they're boring, but they don't really go anywhere sometimes. But this is the first time, like, there was some, like, conflict, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. Lenny, last thoughts, Lena, before we move on? Or? I just thought it was really, really well done, yeah. and I did think that it had some really funny moments, but also yeah. showed that the life of a comedian is kind of sad sometimes yeah, yeah. and that's totally. indicative of that whole society and it's like I, I, I think it opened up a lot of doors and I hope it's gonna 
invoke some more conversation. I do too. And um, speaking of conversation, I wanted to give Dove Davidoff, who's a really brilliant comic, the yeah. chance to not seem like a patriarchal <laughs> douchebag. So for our segment, we're going to watch some of the actual actor slash comic do some stand-up on Fallon. That's awesome because... Yeah. Um, I don't know. How do you guys want to play this? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like uh, I've been thinking a lot about life and death. You know, my, my buddy believes in heaven. And I asked him what his idea of heaven was. And he said, when I die, I believe that I'll be reunited for eternity with all of my family that passed away before me. And I thought, is that what we want? (laughs) Do you want to be reunited with your family for eternity? If I die right now and see my whole family on a cloud and they're like, hey, Dub, I'd be like, hey. I'll stop by and all, you know, but I'm not doing eternity over there. I mean, I think we can all agree the last 30 Thanksgivings have not gone smoothly, you know? Um, I don't know. I think the for the sake of time, I want to bring it down and move on, but That's funny. I just thought it was important to yeah. show what a good actor he is because yeah. clearly he's not. Very, yeah. I, mean, really I think good. that he definitely really shows that he's. I mean, this episode, I think, definitely shown his shows his range, but it has to be so difficult for a comedian playing such a D-bag comedian yeah. on, where you're like, that's yeah. not me, man. With the leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and I did love that this clip was a late night thing. Yeah. It's like, if you were doing late night, you wouldn't think it was BS, man. Right. It's like, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> I know, that was it's such a good point of look at the character who's disparaging late night doing late night set. Um, we're going to do some really, really quick news and gossip. Basically, um, I just want to let you guys know, this episode got a ton of coverage. And typically this show isn't necessarily breaking a ton of news, but because this episode was so timely and politically relevant, there's a lot of good um, articles you can read. Um, I would check out Slash Film. Um, Pete did a... a um, interview there that was really really good um i know elena you saw some good coverage too yeah there was uh some great stuff that uh there was an interview that tv insider did uh with jamie lee that was really interesting and then another one that i really liked um i believe it was uh new york times new york times yeah Yeah. new york times did a great interview with judd apatow basically just talking about how comedy is changing and how this episode came to be and how it was really just kind of a progression of just them on the road to then leading into this Me Too cool. situation. It's a really great article. So Lots of really good articles. We'll post some of those in the comments below because we'd love to hear you guys kind of dialogue with us. Um, but yeah, just it was neat to see the show getting a little more covers than it usually does, and I think it's only such a good episode. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have time for predictions this week, um, but what we'll do is when you guys say your Twitters, if you want to give one prediction that you <laughs> either see for next episode or the rest of the season, go ahead and do that. Okay, I'll go first. I'm Josh Rodriguez. You can follow me at Twitter, Instagram, at Josh underscore Rodriguez underscore. I think we're going to see some turbulence between Pete and Kat, and also Allie's going to come to the picture, making things a little more complicated. I agree. Elena? I'm Elena Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan and on Instagram at Elena J. Jordan. And also, if you are in Hawaii, I'm going to be in Hawaii February 23rd through 25th, something like the weekend of that (laughs) general general area. I'll be there for Amazing Comic Con Aloha, so come up, say hello. Um, And then also, you can check out relativitypodcast.com. It's a radio drama 
uh, written by Lee Shackelford, who wrote some stuff for Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, so, cool. Are you in it? I am. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're hey. in our third season. I just got to record a bunch of season three, mm-hmm. so get caught up, because they're about so to start dope. airing them. I nice. love scripted podcasts. I need to check that out. Um, guys, my name is Jeff Graham. You can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. I predict that we're actually going to see more of Jason, and I think we're going to see him grow a little bit. I think cool. this show has a soft heart, and I think we're going to see some evolution from him. I like that. Um, but if you guys want to catch me, I actually um, host The Bachelor after show, which I'm simultaneously very proud of and very ashamed of. I kind of enjoy you today. <laughs> I've been watching. It's such a good show. I know. If you haven't seen the show, it's like shockingly one of the best television shows you can see, and I cover that. It's actually tonight at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, so check us out there. Of course, we'll be back for Crashing, so we'll see you guys next Monday at 5 p.m. Thanks for tuning in. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.